My name is David Birnbaum. Welcome to The Safe Space. Today, my guest is Adam Edgerly. Adam is a friend of mine who is a Bernie Sanders supporter, while I personally uh, support many ideas in Ayn Rand's philosophy of objectivism. So we're quite far apart in terms of our political views. And that's what we talk about. We talk about how we can maintain a friendship while being diametrically opposed to each other in many issues that both of us would consider important. It's funny, but what it seems to come down to is we both more so assume that the other one is either ignorant or stupid rather than malicious. And that might be a weird way to phrase it, but that's really what it seems to fundamentally come down to. I think he's mistaken and he thinks I'm mistaken. And that is actually giving one another the benefit of the doubt. Because if I really think that Bernie Sanders and his views are somewhat, if not quite evil, you know, I could very easily think anyone who supports him is that as well. And that's the kind of tone you see in the political discourse today. If you don't agree with me, you're evil, you're malicious. And that's very much not the tone you want to have if you're hoping to change anyone's mind or really get anywhere in life at all. And so we talk about that. We talk about both how we get along and why we still give each other the benefit of the doubt. And it's interesting because Adam actually learns more about me live in this episode in terms of how, quote, far right, quote, my views are in his opinion. And yet he still views me as a friend. I think many people can learn lessons from this conversation, and it's not a matter of giving people the benefit of the doubt, but not in some open-ended way. He thinks I'm really wrong and that my views are actually causing harm in the world. And I think that too. But there's still a fundamental assumption that both of us have similar values. We're just going about it the completely wrong way. But I'm not evil and he's not evil for being mistaken. I really encourage you to share this episode with people who you think aren't open to the very, let's call it, grounded, compassionate, lovey-dovey stuff, but still might benefit from a view of, well, how do I view my political enemies as not my enemies? As always, please subscribe on YouTube or your favorite podcasting app and consider supporting the show at thesafespace.ca. Hey, Adam. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Uh, so I'm really excited because I really don't know where this conversation will go, but you and I are friends. We've been, I'd say, pretty close friends for a couple of years now, or like, you know, we keep in touch and we have very different political views. And it seems, and you just found out how different our political views are actually just before we started recording. Um, but I find it interesting because you and I still maintain a friendship. You knew we had different political views for people's uh, reference, I'm an objectivist. I support Ayn Rand's view of, uh, you know, a proper society. And I believe you're a Bernie Sanders supporter. You're in that sort of camp to, to label it as a camp. Is that I'm, I'm a liberal, you know, you're a liberal. socially liberal, progressive, socially democratic. Yeah. Bernie bro. Bernie bro. Yeah. Yeah. So that, it's about in, in at least many dimensions, about as far apart from one another as we could get. And I think it's interesting to note that, you know, many Bernie supporters would deem a lot of my views, a lot of objectivism's views as like quite evil, right? Like, and quite um, anti-human even, right? Um, whereas many objectivists label Bernie Sanders' views as like socialist, evil, and these sorts of things. And I want to explore kind of what premises are at play in our minds to actually maintain our friendship, right? 
because you and I basically think each other's views are totally wrong. Um, and and how do we negotiate that and how do we maintain friend friendship? And so what are your initial thoughts, you know, based on how I just presented it? So I definitely agree it's an issue and it's not always so easy. I think staying friends, keeping it civil, not taking it personally when you have like a political disagreement. Um, and it's easier. I, I can't really put my finger on why it seems to be easier with some people than others. Definitely some people totally disagree with them on a particular issue or just generally politically, but it doesn't kind of jeopardize, you know, whether we're friends or whether we can get along. But then others, like maybe it's certain views, certain ways people like relate to those views or try and force those views on others. It can be really grating and it can start to interfere. So definitely agree there's like stuff to explore. Um, and then weirdly, it's not like, just you know whether you agree or disagree that influences like a friendship there's some other element that i'm not sure of that kind of or maybe several elements that determine whether or not it interferes with uh kind of the rest of your relationship with someone yeah and for me there's kind of two pieces that stick out as and they're kind of interrelated as to what allows the friendship to maintain and they seem contradictory but i think they're actually like in the same vein is I assume you're stupid rather than evil, right? That's the assumption I have and I assume you have is I'm just wrong, but I'm not evil, right? And especially when they're, and I don't yeah. mean to call you stupid, right? But I mean, I think you're mistaken in your views. I think you have the wrong views, but I don't think you're malicious or purposefully ignorant, right? Um, I think you're trying to do, I think we have similar values of what we're trying to accomplish and what we want for the world, but we just have come to different conclusions about the best way to implement those things. And if I yeah. focus on, I know Adam pretty well, I know we have similar values, and I also know he's good and not evil, and maybe he's ignorant and not evil, that is like that is actually the basis for talking. If, if I think you're evil, then there's no changing your view. And I just dismiss you. You're a terrible Bernie bro trying to burn down the world or something. And then you'd have the same view of me and uh, you know, my, I agree. Right? I, I would use the phrase like misguided, you misguided know, not, people who are more informed than me, people who are smarter than me can also still be wrong. So it's not like an intelligence or even an information thing. It's just, I, Back when I was at Western's, it was like first year political science, we had a really good lecture. It was like the first or second lecture of, you know, poli sci 101 or 201, where the prof talked about the idea of paradigms and how we view politics, like a few other things from like a paradigm, like a worldview. And one of the features of a paradigm is it's very hard to change your mind, right? Paradigms are very sticky, almost like a religion is a paradigm, right? Or liberalism or conservatism are a paradigm. Why right? there's a few of these. Yeah. Exactly. And one's it's whether you're right or wrong, it's just very hard. It tends to be so pervasive, these ideas that you kind of get stuck in them. And so a lot of us, I think we stick to a political party or a political ideology, like uh like a sports team almost. So we might agree with them on some intellectual level, but on another we just agree with them because we have agreed with them and then we tend to reinforce it. So if you know, I think you're kind of crazy because you're a crazy right winger. It's not because you're stupid. It's not because you're uninformed. It's not because you're evil. It's just, I feel like you just like are on the wrong side of the tracks. And 
if I was in your shoes, I would probably be on the wrong side of the tracks too. But in my case, I think luckily I'm on the right side of the tracks and it's just too bad you're not here with me. Right. And so, I mean, I'll say I'm not conservative. Objectivism is something different, but I understand the premise and I think that's the right approach to have. And I think definitely another important factor is, you know, because there's this kind of paradigm approach or this kind of sports team approach, people also build their identity there. They attach their identity to their political views. And so if I question your political views, and this also happens with morality a bit as such, which is really linked to like, you know, this is, we should have these politics because it's good. Um, when you question that, it kind of gets at people's hearts and souls, right? It's really like, oh, what do you mean? Like, you disagree? No, you're questioning my very essence, right? Like, this is, I'm a, I'm a Republican. How dare you question that? Or yeah, whatever, right? and it's not symmetrical, right? Like one element of, you know, my ideology is I'm atheist. So for, but for me, and I think for most atheists, we don't take it personally when people debate religion or lack of religion, generally speaking, but that's not symmetrical. And frequently the majority of times, if this comes at, you know, if we're having political or philosophical discussion that touches on religion, I'm very comfortable in the idea of me professing my atheism or even, you know, undermining, maybe even belittling someone else's you know, religious belief once in a while that I don't take that debate personally, if they try and kind of voice their view on me, but on the, on the other end, often they will take it personally when I try and voice my ideas on them. And I'm sure there's other issues where they might, you know, not be offended for, you know, stating their view, but I will be offended. So it's not, and so there, there is some element of depending on one's ideology, you might take some things personally, but not others. Yeah, because I, I would say on this example, like I definitely know atheists or I can definitely imagine atheists as well who are very offended. How how could someone be so stupid as to have a religion how, and to believe in God? And they are very much aggressive and dismissive. And I actually just had a conversation with a devout Christian friend of mine um, about our friendship and how can an atheist and then a Christian be really good friends or whatever. And she's very much like, no, I'm just misguided. I just haven't found Jesus, right? Like, and so it's very much, she's not offended because, you know, she's confident in her views and her identity with them. And so I think that's an important point as well. One thing I want to ask, though, is, you know, so you think I'm on the wrong side of the tracks, right? And you think, you know, if you were like, clearly some, somewhere in my mind, I got messed up, right? Clearly something went wrong. And so I'm interested to ask you both um, uh, three questions, I suppose. One is like you and I used to have similar views. I, in 2016, I was a Bernie supporter. So do you think I was like indoctrinated or like just was lost and had to find something? And also, do you think what would be your hope for me to find my way back? Because I think, no, I've just used logic and reason and I've come to better conclusions, but you think that's impossible probably, right? So I'm interested in your thoughts on me in this situation because that factors into how you view me as a person, right? It's not that I- Yeah. I often view, uh, well, I'm trying to think of a few examples. Like one of my friends has been kind of conservative for a while and rigidly so, and will continue to be. 
but others I think of it as like a phase, you know, and people like experiment you're in your twenties or your teens or your thirties and you experiment with different phases for a year or two and then grow out of them. So those are, that's a promising prospect. And there's a good chance that that's maybe the case. Um, but I try not to judge. I think I like what you said previously about, you know, why we take some things more personally than others. I think like the more confident you are, in your belief, maybe the less it just kind of like annoys or upsets you when someone disagrees. So, you know, I'm pretty confident at this point that like, you know, the social welfare state is the way to go. And uh, I'm kind of, so why someone would deviate from that? I think often too, like we, uh, we use our political ideology as like a way of expressing ourselves. Like it's sort of fun to profess something in a way, right? We're at university and as a counter reaction to, you know, a very zealous, like liberal left wing, progressive wing, we might, uh, you know, veer right because it's kind of fun and there's a club or something, or there's like some interesting element from being kind of against the grain or combative or a maverick. So there's, I think that's a phenomenon that happens in university. And then there's the other flip side. It's fun to be a part of that left-wing movement, maybe. So people subscribe to that. Well, they're, So I think sometimes people, maybe you're a bit guilty of it, maybe I am, are just like a little swept up with like the currents of what's going on in yeah. their life over the past couple of years. Um, and it's hard to really judge someone for that because like we all do that. Um, but I'm confident, you know, that when everyone settles down, you know, hits their mid thirties, hits their stride, they'll subscribe to, you know, a nice left of center worldview. Right. So it's interesting that you say left of center. I mean, I still, I used to joke, I'm a left wing libertarian because I think it is important to note that you and I do have very similar values. I've just come to very different conclusions about how to achieve them. And that is at odds with a lot of the right wing people who have very different values from me. Right. Um, yeah, I think that's true. Also, like it can be unhelpful just to dwell on generalities and labels. Right. Yeah. Especially young people. Like I think 50 years ago, 100 years ago, like there were families. You were a liberal family. You were a conservative family. You, your parents voted for the Christian Democratic Party or the Socialist or the Agrarian Party. And it was like really important to you. Nowadays, even kids, like teenagers who might think they're right of center or left of center or socially liberal or, you know, we actually, if you get down to it, almost everyone like agrees in the importance of fighting global warming and in gay rights and in, you know, racial equality and in public education, right? And so I, I don't know. I mean, I disagree so with I some might, of those yeah. things, but. Well, I think most people, right? Or at least, you know, a lot of regressive things that were huge sources of disagreement, you know, a generation ago. Now everyone kind of agrees with. So in, on some level, it's like an invented disagreement because we're fighting over labels sometimes more than like specific like policy disagreements. Yeah. When I think, no, I mean, I do think more so than average, I disagree on policy views than, than labels, but I mean, because, for example, I would be against public education, but I think it's important for underprivileged people to get educated, right? I just think there's How, a better... Well, let's make a good example of this, maybe. How, if you... Well, so around. I don't want to get into a debate on that now, right? I think we can okay. do that another time. Because I want to say, like, you know, right now, I just told you something that you is now, like, in your brain, like, this guy 
There, this is a new wrong but thing. That's a good example. Like someone who uh, disagrees with public education, it's almost so like laughable that I can't be upset, you know? But so that's what I'm interested in is like, now do you think I'm just, cause then it comes down to either, like the two main things are either I'm misguided and just wrong and can be saved or somehow I've been indoctrinated with an evil view. And I think as long as everyone takes, like if you believe someone is, has good intentions and we still yeah. want, Oh, you, you know, know what it is? I to think, be educated, yeah. but I just don't think it should be. I think why I can write it off is because I, there's no fear that that will actually be implemented, right? So I'm secure. I know public education, at least in Canada, let's say, won't be just, you know, abolished and abandoned. So it's not like, it it's, not a, it's not a threat, right? Whereas some other ideas, especially, and more ideas are under threat in the United States, right? Where if you were to talk about, you know, abortion or the super, the makeup of the Supreme Court or gerrymandering or like kind of crazy issues, but where there there's a real threat of them happening, it's harder to just laugh them off, right? It's right. hard for me in Canada if you're some wacko right winger, there's not really a threat that they're going to take over the government. But in the United States, if you're a Trump supporter and he's a wacko right winger, it's I can't really laugh at you because so, you're actively destroying the country and there's a real risk that, you know, those kind of policies will continue to be enacted. So maybe the the likelihood of the threat becoming a reality to, to help influences at least whether or not like it it hurts. Yeah, I, I mean I think that's really valid and that's what you see since Trump got elected is people feel like stuff's much more risky in the States, right? But I would be interested like because I would say like you know, I do hope that some of, if not all of my policy views could be enacted, but I think people take for granted that like the same mean, the same ends couldn't be accomplished by different means. And that's where I disagree. Right. But I think the most important thing that I want to highlight is, you know, I've many people in my position would have felt like attacked by you, right. You're kind of dismissing my views and like, they're so fringe, they'll never happen. And earlier I said, like, you're stupid rather than malicious. And I think mm -hmm. the, the most important thing is that we both, like, we both know there's fundamentally, uh, like, fundamentally mutual respect at some level because we have a, a years long friendship. And like one additional thing doesn't necessarily break, like, because there's some people who I could say, like, one thing, like, I don't believe in public health care. And that's it then I'm not, I can't be their friend anymore rather than trying to understand, you know, what, how did I come to those views? And, you know, if I am more so dedicated to finding out what's good and what's right, I would be willing to change my views again. Right. And I think that comes from a place of compassion and mutual respect that we're both trying to do what's good. And as soon as I label you as evil, that's when the issue comes up. And I, I do agree that there is a line, right? Um, and yeah. so, but again, our lines could be different, right? You think anyone who's a Trump supporter is like bad. I don't agree with that. I wouldn't vote for Trump. And, but like, I think that's a different place we have, but there, like, I'm not saying there's no line. I'm not saying, you know, live and let live. Everyone can do whatever they want. Um, but I think, you know, within people who are trying to be reasonable and trying to understand the world. That's the primary. If they're actually consciously trying to figure stuff out, 
then there's hope, no matter how far you think or they think they've gone awry or whatever. Yeah, and it's a valuable exercise, right? Like it's still valuable to pick the brains of someone you totally disagree with, especially when they're you know actively engaging in the idea and they're being critical about it. So it's a valuable exercise. And I don't know. I agree. There are some lines though that you know some people just have egregious, you know, blatantly racist or offensive, hateful ideas. But short of that, right? I guess anything's fair game. So. Yeah. And, and I mean, that's what's the interesting part is I feel like people don't care to understand that difference, right? Like that, you know, if I disagree with a specific like left wing view of race policy, I must be a racist. Um, yeah. And I think that is the key thing to work out and flesh out is having specific views and then w- what the role of government is. To me, like government has a fundamentally different role than the average person thinks it does. And so that causes a disconnect for a lot of people, I suppose, that I can agree with all of their premises. I just don't necessarily think that then the government has to implement what they want, even though I agree with what they want. Right. Um, And I think that's an important point, at least. But. Yeah, I'm, I'm really just, I wanted to talk to you about this because, I mean, I don't know if you remember, but we did have like a, uh, an argument when I visited you in New York uh, about... Just, I, just one? No, I mean, one in particular. It kind of, I, I'm just remembering the one that like, like you really got mad at me. Um, and I mean, I'm sure I was frustrated too, but then the next day it was like, okay. Well, what was the topic? I, I can't remember. Just out of curiosity. It was, uh, no, it was... It was right when, uh, you know, Trump was throwing kids at the border in prison separate from their parents or something. Okay. And my argument wasn't that that's good. My argument was just like, I'm not plugged into Twitter. I can't be outraged all of the time at everything he's doing wrong. And you found that like unreasonable. And I was like, they they want me to get outraged every day. I, I can't do it. And I was also in a very Buddhist phase, like very detached from the world as such which you found very frustrating. And it did make me think quite a lot about my approach at the time. But the reason I bring it up isn't to shame you for getting mad at me or shame myself for being Buddhist. It's that the next morning we were friends still. We got in a heated argument. There was a lot of values at stake and it was an important argument. And we could still factor that into the entirety of everything we know about each other not this is the thing now this is the only thing i can pay attention to and it shatters all of the history i have and i think that's what's um you know alarming to me is i've had i've published like you know one opinion i have on something and people throw out a 10-year friendship with me and i like that's what i don't understand is wouldn't they give me the benefit of the doubt that maybe i'm mistaken rather than like i'm evil and everything they know about me is thrown out the window yeah, I think that if you know someone well enough, it's easier to sort of compartmentalize and just give people the benefit of the doubt that maybe someone's uninformed or they have some particular other like policy goal or idea that they're not articulating or I'm not familiar with or just realize that they're still like a good person and there's other reasons that aren't necessarily and there's, you know, dozens of different potential reasons that aren't just being evil, even for endorsing a view that you might think is evil. Right? Like I have friends, and I'm sure you do as well, who have views that you think are like very harmful, right? Might lead to deaths, right? 
like, yeah, like Bernie Sanders supporters. Yeah, like, you, think, you might think Bernie Sanders is like Joseph Stalin, you know, and it's going to cause like a, you know, oh, famine and genocide across, you know, the Western world. But you seem not to hold it against me too much, right? Or on the flip side, who hasn't had like a hundred debates about coronavirus, right? On one side or the other. Either you think the lockdown is going to ruin everyone's life and cause starvation and poverty for everyone on earth. Or you think that the anti-lockdown nuts are going to cause like a global pandemic, destroying society and killing like 50 million people with disease, right? We all have one, one side of that debate. Um, and I've debated many, many people who, uh, in my case, they're anti-lockdown and I think they're crazy, but I don't think they're evil, you know, murderers, even though I think their policies will probably result, would probably result in millions of excess deaths. And I'm not exactly sure why, like they're educated, smart, informed people. Right. And I think they're kind of like by like some kind of like willful blindness and partisanship, like endorsing policies that I think will lead to, you know, mass death. But I don't think the right outcome is to hate them for it. I think the right outcome, like we've been describing, is to try and kind of convince them, let their kind of views act as a check on mine. And, you know, I'm wrong on, on some details, I think, although not like the overall nature, I think, of the debate. But then ultimately just like tell them, like, I think you're wrong. History will validate me. Like, let's move on. And then at some point, it's not worth like endless debating anymore. Yeah, and I think... Coronavirus, as an example, pulls in an important point where when you're talking about policy decisions, you're often talking about like thousands or millions of people's lives. And so there's this idea that if you think like I'm threatening their lives and I think you're threatening their lives, it's almost as like as if we're murderers. Right. And it's like, well, no, you and I are not trying to kill people. You and I are trying to figure out what policies are best. Right. And it's like. And if you let, I think it's difficult for people to kind of abstract out and like really hone in on what is the actual conversation. And regardless, this is what will change anyone's mind, right? This is what will change your mind or my mind is being able to talk to one another, right? If everyone who disagrees with my views throws me out as a bigot, I'm never going to change my views. I'm just going to meet other bigots. You know, if I if I'm putting that framing on it, right? And so I think it's important for no, if I'm if you think I'm misguided to try and talk to me about it. And it's not like you have a duty to fix my views or whatever, but not that I think my views are wrong, but um that you know, there is an importance of still having that communication, right? Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, so I'll end with the question. How many years until you see the light and become an objectivist? I think I may move further to the left, if anything. I think I'm headed, headed in the wrong direction. At least you admit it's the wrong direction. Huh. All right. Well, I really appreciate this. I think it was valuable. And I think, uh, you know, I hope it's, it's valuable for people listening because I think I know too many people, even in my own life, who've, who've thrown me out because they disagree with my views. And I just think that, um, you know, it's not a productive approach and it's not compassionate or, or, or reasonable, really. But thanks. Yeah, thanks for having me. That was interesting. I'll see you around.